Why would Moses splatter blood on the people of Israel? <laughs> Doesn't seem very nice. Actually, yeah. seems kind of gross. Yep. Uh, I'm not sure I would do? enjoy that. What do we do with that? Unless I understood the meaning behind it. That's and right. We'll so. get to that meaning. All right. And happy Friday, everybody. Yep. You're listening to Between the Lines. I'm Junior. And I'm Scott. And I'll go ahead and, well, you know, once you get started here, we yeah, got. Because you saw uh, the names at the beginning. That you have yeah, read. we got 18 verses. So yeah. you can go ahead and get the first nine. <laughs> then the Lord instructed Moses, come up here to me and bring. What does come up here to me? Is he still on the mountain then? I uh, yes, and he says the Lord instructed Moses come yeah. up here because yeah, this is still on the mountain. Uh, yep, which we believe would be as we've talked about before. Sinai, we think Jabel El Laws. Yeah. If you were to like Google Jabel El Laws, L A W Z, uh, you'd find like this this mountain that is burnt at the top, like mm-hmm. it, it burnt to a crisp. And so I, I do believe that that's the mountain where this all take, took place. And the Lord instructed Moses, come up here to me and bring along Aaron, Nadab, Abihu, and 70 of Israel's elders. All of you must worship from a distance. Only Moses is allowed to come near to the Lord. The others must not come near. None of the other people are allowed to climb up the mountain with him. Now, should, you know, shouldn't, that doesn't seem very fair. I mean, come on. Moses is just a person. These are other people. Why, why does Moses, why does he keep getting singled out like he gets all his favoritism from God? Because that doesn't seem fair. God's not fair. He's not. And and here's the other thing is one thing we find throughout the scriptures, like it or not, we don't see a lot of democracy in, in the Bible. No. And like it or not, whenever God did something big, he always used a leader and it was singular. Yeah. And he, that's how he worked. He worked through a leader. Leadership is huge. Well, yeah. And the people's obligation to that leader was huge. Even when the leader was wrong, they were obligated to show respect and honor to that if leader. Israel was congregational led during the time of Moses. They would have oh, all went back to man. Egypt. They would have been, in, yeah, yeah. There wouldn't be any story <laughs> here. We wouldn't be reading this. Nope. Then Moses went down to the people and repeated all the instructions and regulations the Lord had given him. All the people answered with one voice. We will do everything the Lord has commanded. Then Moses carefully wrote down all the Lord's instructions. Early the next morning, Moses got up and built an altar at the foot of the mountain. He also set up 12 pillars, one for each of the 12 tribes of Israel. Then he sent some of the young Israelite men to present burnt offerings and sacrifice bulls as peace offerings to the Lord. Moses drained half the blood from these animals into basins. The other half he splattered against the altar. He then took the book of the covenant. It's the book of the covenant. I'm sure people will be wondering that, Dad. Mm-hmm. Is that the uh, all the laws that he, he wrote yeah. down? yes. Up, up on the mountain. He read it to the people aloud. Again, they responded, we will do everything the Lord has commanded. We will obey. Then Moses took the blood from the basins and splattered it over the people, declaring, look, this blood confirms the covenant of the Lord has made with you in giving these instructions. Why would he do that? We have to understand the covenants worked in the ancient world as well, because we, we hear, we see that word that is used by other nations. And, and by the way, Hebrew was its own distinct language that this is written in, and but yet it was related to the other languages surrounding them. And so we see this this word covenant used by other nations as well, and confirming a, co- a covenant. And a covenant was a um, it was something that could not be taken back. Mm-hmm. So it was unconditional that both sides were making this unconditional promise: "I will do this," and then they yeah. would say, "I will do this." Then they would always do something physical as a confirmation of that covenant. Now, the blood here, that's the interesting part. The blood here, which I think goes, even goes back to Passover. And maybe you've got some ideas on this and yeah. maybe you can share some insight. But I see it as going back to Passover having to do with the sacrifices. Right. 
but I also see this as something looking forward to the blood of the, the lamb. Blood of the lamb, yeah. Well, in scripture, there is this theme that sin brings death. Of course, mm-hmm. we saw that in the garden. That as sin enters, so does death. Blood is life. Mm-hmm. It's our life source, and so um, there was this kind of this theme, and, and this would happen in the tabernacle as well, the temple. That blood was almost like this cleaning agent. Yeah, would clean the death, and all of it, as you said, it just points toward the Messiah. That. The death of Jesus Christ on the cross was the ultimate, yeah. was the ultimate, I don't want to say cleaning agent, but to keep kind of stay with that theme of blood cleaning was like that final, okay, now we can be cleaned, totally cleansed of our sin. Yeah, later on in Leviticus, it says that while, because life is in the blood, that without the shedding of blood, there is no forgiveness. Yeah. Okay. Then Moses, Aaron, uh, no, you want to take that now? Yeah, where are we at? What verse, verse we nine. at? Uh, verse nine. Okay. Then Moses, Aaron, Nadab, Abihu, and 70 elders of Israel climbed up the mountain, which we're going to read more about Nadab and Abihu later on. They, they wound up turning their backs on Moses and lost their lives because of it. Then they saw the God of Israel under his feet. There seemed to be a surface of brilliant blue lapis lazuli, as clear as the sky itself. Lapis lazuli. Ooh. Don't name my daughter that. Yeah, surface of brilliant blue lapis lazuli. Wish I knew what that meant. <laughs> and though these nobles of Israel gazed upon God, he did not destroy them. In fact, they ate a covenant meal, eating and drinking in his presence. Then the Lord said to Moses, come up to me on the mountain. Stay there and I will give you the tablets of stone on which I have inscribed instructions and commands so that you can teach the people. So Moses and his assistant Joshua set out and Moses climbed up the mountain of God. Moses told the elders, stay here and wait for us until we come back. Aaron and her are here with you. If anyone has a dispute while I'm gone, consult with them because they were judges. That's what the disputes, the judges would take care of these disputes. Then Moses climbed up the mountain and the cloud covered it. And the glory of the Lord settled down on Mount Sinai and the cloud covered it for six days. On the seventh day, the Lord called to Moses from inside the cloud. To the Israelites at the foot of the mountain, the glory of the Lord appeared at the summit like a consuming fire. Then Moses disappeared into the cloud as he climbed higher up the mountain. He remained on the mountain 40 days and 40 nights. Now, it is kind of funny what happened. You'll be reading this on your own tomorrow. But yeah, and you want to do people that. People start wondering, uh, he dead up there? Yeah, he's up 40 <laughs> days. I mean, after a while, you're going to wonder. You've been okay, in the fire for 40 we, days. We left here out in the wilderness by ourselves without him. Yeah. So you'll be reading that on your own tomorrow and on Sunday. Let's go to Proverbs. And we're in Proverbs 3. This today is the third. And one of the most well-known Proverbs is Proverbs 3, 5, and 6, I memorized it very early in my Christian life. I, I still have it memorized in another version. Trust in the Lord with all your heart and lean on, not unto your own understanding. In all your ways, acknowledge him and he will direct your paths. And here we have trust in the Lord. This is in the, the NLT. With all your heart, do not depend on your own understanding. It's essentially the same thing. So, I mean, if you don't live life just the way you think you should. Don't live life based on your own gut feeling. Or don't make decisions based on what sounds good or makes the most sense. No, you look to and trust in God. His way is always going to be the best way, even when it doesn't fit with the cultural understanding of the people around us. God's way will always be best. And recognize that as God's people, we are to be his unique people, set apart, different from everybody else. We're never going to make a difference if we are not different. So he says, don't trust on your own understanding. Seek his will in all that you do. So. Every, every decision we make should be, what does God want? Are there any biblical principles? 
that should enter into this? If I Am I praying about this? Am I really seeking after what God wants? Am I looking at this matter from his perspective? I mean, if that's the case, you're not going to leave your wife. If that's the case, you're not going to cheat on your husband. If that's the case, you're going to be a different kind of a parent. You're going to be a different kind of a worker. If you're really seeking his will in everything that you do, and then it says, if you do seek his will in all you do, he will direct your paths. He'll point the direction in which he wants you to go. If you're really seeking his will, trusting in him, and not just in your own understanding. I was just telling a couple today um, that one of my prayers to God is, God, can you just make your ways obvious to me? Hmm. Probably because I'm kind of dumb sometimes. <laughs> and I just, <laughs> need, I just yep. need you to like just make it obvious. Mm-hmm. And I told him, I was like, you know, looking back at my own life, uh, some of the big decisions weren't too hard for me because they were just kind of the obvious things. Like God just set this opportunity in my lap. Like, well, yeah. I, this is, you know, and, and I'm not going to say God spoke to me, but that is a common prayer of mine. Like, God, please make my path straight. Mm-hmm. And like maybe straighter than most people's because I, I really need it obvious. Mm-hmm. And so maybe make that your prayer today. Well, it is, it does become more obvious when that's truly what you're seeking after. Yeah. And not, I think a lot of times the anxiety that we feel has more to do with being torn between what we want and what we're sensing what God wants. And uh, I even think of that way in coming here 16 years ago, uh, that I, I saw it as an, as an opportunity to escape <laughs> the winters of the Midwest. You know, I was in Wisconsin. And uh, maybe we we're going to be sent to some enjoyable place to live. And I think that your mom may have been thinking that way as well. Though she really didn't want to go anywhere. She enjoyed, you know, and I, I enjoyed it. I, I loved yeah. living where we lived. Yeah, During that that whole process of praying and seeking God's will, that it, it was amazing that the more we truly did pray, I spent time fasting, praying, a lot of conversations, getting advice. And I realized, well, there's really no wrong decision here, but just seemed to me that I knew what I had to do and I could not explain it any other way. I knew what I had to do. I knew that this was what God, the way God was leading. Yeah. There's very few things that I could ever say that about, Yeah, but that was one that I was, absolutely certain this is what God wanted. Yep. All right. Well, today is National Homemaker Day. All right. Meaning honor the person who keeps that house together, running and operating the laundry and the cooking and the cleaning and, and all of that. And you probably, a lot of you uh, that are listening, you work together on all of that, which is a good thing. But almost always there's that primary person, I, I think biblically speaking, it, it is if you're married, the wife is, I mean, that's her primary responsibility is holding things together in within the home. And um, so, I, yeah, today's the day. My wife I mean, works full time, so, but she's primary when it comes to the household. And that is so absolutely politically incorrect nowadays, but it is biblical. <laughs> yeah. It's in the it, New Testament. It is, it is, bibli- yeah, it is, it is biblical. biblical. Yep. And uh, I my think wife- it just goes back to creation and the way God made yeah. us. And my wife loves that role. In fact, mm-hmm. as you know, I have daughters. Um, that, and I love hearing them say things like, oh, I just want to be a mom when I grow up, you know, it's like, that's, that's awesome. Mm-hmm. And I feel like sometimes in our culture, especially with feminism, we've almost downplayed the role of homemaker, but it is a beautiful, beautiful role. It's kind of fun when I watch your sister, my daughter, Erica, and I don't know if she's listening here, but, uh, it, it is, it's a lot of fun for me because you remember this a lot, Junior, the way she used to play dolls with her little dollhouse and stuff and had always had these families and doing things. And there was like little conversations constantly going on that you you couldn't understand her, but she's kind of barely talking to herself. And then she got older. And do you remember Sims? You remember that Sims phase? Yeah, yeah. And, you know, I, I sent her something of 
couple of months ago, I was a picture of her playing Sims on the computer. Yeah. And I sent it to her and says, this is, you are now living your dream because now she is the woman, the mom, the wife that she was dreaming of being when she was playing house with the dollhouses and playing the Sims yeah. that she's now filling that role. And it, it's a beautiful yeah. thing. It's not to watch. a lesser role. No. At all. Oh, absolutely not. And so honor the homemaker today. Uh, maybe we go out on a date Friday. Maybe, yeah. Maybe we just go on a date. Hey, anyway. have a great weekend. See you in church and uh, read, read this weekend. God right. bless.